Welcome to ABC Cafe. I'm recording this on Christmas Day, and what better way to celebrate than an episode about the church, Israel, and Palestine? Last month, the Episcopal Diocese of Vermont passed a resolution, 84 to 25, called Recognition of Apartheid in Israel-Palestine. Building on their history of opposing apartheid South Africa, the churches concluded that, quote, in view of the overwhelming irrefutable evidence that Israel's continuing subjugation of the Palestinian people is, without any doubt, apartheid as defined by international law, the Episcopal Church must adhere to its baptismal vows and condemn the apartheid policies of Israel and call on the U.S. government to withhold all aid from Israel until the Palestinians are treated as equal citizens with full access to movement, water, electricity, education, housing, and health. Joining me today is the author of that resolution. He's also a member of the Episcopal Peace Fellowship, Palestine-Israel Network, and Vermonters for Justice in Palestine, the group that built the campaign to pressure Ben and Jerry to stop selling ice cream in the occupied Palestinian territory. We'll refer to that group as VTJP. And without further delay, here's my interview with John Hermans. Okay, I'm here with uh, John Hermans. John, thank you so much for joining me on ABC Cafe. You're welcome. So I wanted to start off. I got this. Um, I got this article pulled up from Mondo Vice. Uh, written by Steve France. The Episcopal Church of Vermont stood up loudly against Israel's U.S.-backed oppression of the Palestinians November 4th at its annual convention, condemning by an 89-25 to 25 majority what it, said are, what it said are the Jewish state's apartheid policies. Um, you were one of the sponsors of those resolutions, or you were one of the sponsors of that resolution, and I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about... Uh, what is in the resolution and how how it came to to get to get passed in the the diocese of Vermont? Right. Well, this was um, yeah. I, I was the main author of the resolution, and then we had two sponsors um, from two uh, reverend and a uh, member of uh, somebody who was with BTJP, who's an Episcopalian from. Um, from um, Randolph, Vermont. So these, the apartheid uh, resolution was first brought to bear in the 2018 um, convention in Vermont. Um, it was brought up with two other resolutions, one on the Leahy, Leahy laws and one on BDS, the right to boycott. And the right to boycott and the Leahy laws passed and the one on apartheid didn't pass that was 2018 so, in 2018 right so i have um i decided to bring this back up we have a new bishop um and to um try it again because things have changed between then and and now that human rights watch came out and with a long after years of not wanting to use the word apartheid, Human Rights Watch came out and said that no doubt about it, it's an apartheid state. Also, the uh, United Church of Christ uh, came out uh, this year 
with a very strong statement and actually named apartheid as a sin. And also Betzalam, which is the uh, Jewish um, peace. Um, the Jewish human rights group. Human rights group. They um, came out with a strong statement saying that it's, it is apartheid. Also, uh, I went right back, back to the original apartheid resolution and pulled out some quotes from South Africa. Of course, Desmond Tutu is an Anglican, and the Anglicans are um, in the same uh, denomination as the, as the Episcopal Church. Um, where he yeah. said that, where he went to Israel and said categorically that the the the, the type of uh, apartheid being practiced by Israel against the Palestinians is much worse than what he experienced in South Africa. And um, these, uh, this time we brought it up, we also had some Wafik from the Vermonters for Justice in Palestine wrote a, uh, a very powerful statement about his history, mm -hmm. which was read in front of all the delegates. And uh, it passed with a 89 to 14, what was it, vote. 89, so, 89 to 25. 89 to 25, um, which kind of surprised me because a lot of uh, the last time I tried anything like this, people said, don't even try because they're not going to pass anything that criticizes Israel. Um, but we had powerful speakers. And at the, in 2018, Wafik spoke and Kathy Shapiro was there. And um, Tom Eli, who was the former bishop, he, he was on his way out, so he had nothing to lose, and he pushed it through. And this time, um, it's a big deal because it's the first time in the Episcopal Church that um, these the, the, the word apartheid against Israel has been used. And that's why Steve France, who's also on the uh, a member of the Episcopal Peace Fellowship Palestine-Israel Network, Steve is an activist and a former lawyer for Bloomberg no, uh, News. And is very uh, is very heavily involved in this issue, mm -hmm. and we're good friends. Yeah. So, a couple of threads to pull on there. I, I mean, first, I will say, um, in in your resolution, you you quote the International Convention of the Suppression and Punishment of the Crime of Apartheid. Um, this is an international law. Um, I don't. What is this from, actually? Oh, it's the um, it's the UN uh, ICC statutes. Sorry, I just right. wanted to make sure. Okay, let me. I'm just gonna re-ask this question here. Yeah, I don't have the resolution in front of me, but I yeah, yeah it's, it's from the UN. Right. So in the resolution, you quote uh, the ICC statute definition of apartheid as quote an institutionalized regime of systematic oppression and domination by one racial group over any other racial group or groups and committed with the intention of maintaining that regime. Why do you think it's important to call out apartheid using this specific definition, not just in general, but specifically for the Episcopal Church? No, I, I think um, any time we, we, we uh, raise this issue, we're going to get a lot of um, 
blowback from the Zionists and from the Israel community and the rabbis here in, in Vermont. So we need to be as specific as possible. They're going, they're going to um, call us on, well, what do you call apartheid? What's apartheid to you? So here it is, black and white. We agree with the definition from the United Nations, and it is a crime. And it was a crime in South Africa, and it's a crime in Israel. So that's that's part of the reason. Um, and I think that it just made the resolution more forceful that the uh, people in the Episcopal Church, many of whom, um, the last time, 2018, there was a lot of people in the delegates who didn't know that Israel was created in 1948. This is the kind of uh, ignorance we have in the United States about. When, about when did they it. think it was created? <laughs> well, they thought, you know, they go back to the Bible and that the Jews have always been there in the Old Testament. and Right. Know, so they just, they just had, they, they were, that's actually sort of surprising to me. But yeah, I mean, it's it's quite remarkable. Yeah, it was surprising to me too. But one of the things that uh, that's why we put so much um, emphasis in BTJP and in the uh, Episcopal Peace Fellowship on education. These films, um, the documentaries done by Palestinians and by Jews. Um, that one that was done in um, in Woodstock by the Jewish by the rabbi. Um, yeah. Do we? Do you, can you send me a link to that so I can I can share it with? Or is it? Is yeah. It, is it available? Seeing with, is it available? Seeing without, seeing without walls. Um, I I don't have the link, but you can get get it through uh, Old Dog Documentaries. Okay. And, her, and the, the 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 lady that did it and who is the director of that Old Dog Documentaries. Her name is Anne. A N N E Maxoud M A C K S O U D, and she would be glad to uh, give. In fact, she said that she would be willing to show it in Burlington with the rabbi coming up here. I think, uh, and I'd like to put that on the agenda at BTJP. Right? Is that um? Is that all public information? Her her name and is it? Yeah, a, yeah, a, it is. It is, and. Do you know the history of that film? What happened? What he did? No, I mean, if I and even if I did, I would request that you uh, retell it for the sake yeah, of the listeners. Yeah, no, this he's a very progressive rabbi, Jewish rabbi who lives in Woodstock, Vermont. He has a synagogue there, and um, he took. Um, there was so much misunderstanding and misinformation about um, the situation of the Palestinians that he invited members of his congregation, a whole group, to go to Israel and to go into Palestine and to talk to Palestinians. And the film is about that visit. And in mm. the beginning of the film, they have these witnesses, all of the, uh, all of the narratives that you hear about Hamas and anti-Semitism and the Holocaust and, and uh, people without land for a land without people. All of these things that these Jews had been brought up with in their households changed in a very short period of time when they went to Israel. And that's what the film was about. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, they came out, they came out crying for the Palestinians and saying, I had no idea what was going on over there. All right. We should definitely try to show that um, yeah. around. I mean, good. that would be a good 
educational yeah. piece. Um, yeah. So you mentioned some things that changed between when you introduced this in 2018 and then, you know, introducing it again in 2021. I mean, do you think the education of of the the members of the Episcopal Church had a big role to play? You know, you mentioned the the uh, human rights reports that came out in the meantime and some other right. things. But I mean, what are the other factors? Because it wasn't just like it passed. You know, it wasn't fifty-one forty-nine. It was eighty-nine twenty-five. So, it, you know, it went from I'm assuming in eight two thousand. I don't know what the numbers were in two thousand eighteen. Right. You know, do you remember was it was it was, was it a flip like a total flip like a eighty eighty to twenty the other way? And you know, because no, it was maybe uh, maybe uh, sixty forty something like that. I I don't have the exact, but it wasn't as overwhelming as this time. But I do think that the each time, and the reason that I uh, these resolutions they kind of sit around after they're passed. Um, there's there's usually very little follow up. But the the reason that I put my energy into the resolutions is because of the education. Um, the resolution itself is a statement that educates people and they are free to ask questions about it. And I think in 2018, the Episcopal Church of Vermont was educated about uh, Palestine and Israel. And when they came around this time, they were ready to uh, they're ready to vote with their with their feelings and what you know. They, we have a baptismal covenant in the Episcopal Church that asks us, as Christians, to respect the dignity and the rights of all human beings. And when you when you bring that up, there is not the, the conversation ends. All right. So what's next in July 2022? Right. You're gonna do. You're gonna have a nationwide convention. This was mm. this 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 resolution was specifically just the uh, diocese of Vermont. Yeah. Um, background on uh, on that is that this uh, Episcopal Peace Fellowship Palestine Israel Network is made up of some incredibly intelligent, dynamic. Uh, lawyers and doctors and and uh, theologians who have been back and forth to Israel a number of times into Gaza last year. And they have been hammering on this issue for 20 years. And now they're, they, they have young people coming into their, to, to their fold. And each four, every four years, there's a national convention and the, Resolutions that are passed by the diocese can be submitted to the national convention and brought up for discussion. And this year there are four um, four resolutions, one on apartheid, one on Christian Zionism, one on BDS, and I think one on anti-Semitism. The fourth one isn't clear yet. But Christian Zionism has always... is a big uh, issue this year. Of course, Christian Zionism are um, the evangelical right uh, that, that supported the last president. It's led by a guy named John Hagee, who is a preacher down in Texas. And they believe that the second coming of Jesus depends upon the, uh, a big war in the Middle East 
Armageddon. Uh, well, they're saying between Iran and Israel. So they're promoting, they're, they're wanting this war to happen. And, and when Jesus comes back, it gets weirder that all the Jews, the Jews that don't convert to Christianity will burn in hell. And they say this outright. Uh, yeah. And you're saying you don't believe that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, but Mike Pence, um, Pompeo, um, a lot of the members of the Republican Party in Congress believe in this stuff. And they are part of the Christian Zionist movement. And okay, so I want to, I definitely want to come back to the resolution on apartheid. Right. Well, I, but let's, uh, I'm just saying that to keep it on the back burner here, but let's, okay. let's go, let's go down the Christian Zionism rabbit hole a little bit here. Mm hmm. What is, what are the resolutions that have to do with Christian Zionism for, at the at the national level for the Episcopal Church? You know, what are you hoping to accomplish with that? Because it, it just seems it seems like you know something that's like, oh yeah, great, we can condemn it, but you know, who cares? Yeah. If the presiding bishop, remember the National Cathedral in Washington, mm -hmm. where you know when somebody uh, uh, something of importance happens like after 9-11, Bush gave a speech out of that, is presided over by the Episcopal Church. So the Episcopal Church is very, uh, and a lot of, there are, on the other hand, members of Congress who are in the Episcopal Church. Um, this other side of, of Christianity, the, the Zionism, is a lot of people don't know about it, first of all. They don't know that, that the Zionists, the power that these people have in Congress and and with the the government of Israel. So the I have the the resolution is in the making. I haven't seen it yet, but I can imagine that any one of these resolutions that are passed at the national level um, by the presiding and accepted by the presiding bishop, a guy named Michael Curry, who was based in New York. He's a black, uh, very dynamic individual and very pro-Palestine, that this is going to have a, an impact that will be taken, uh, for hopefully, by the press. And there are other denominations like the Presbyterians, the Quakers, and the United Church of Christ, and others who, who, who are kind of coming together on, on this issue. To where, say where, this. Are the, where are the Catholics on this? The Catholics, uh, it depends on, uh, you know, on, on who you talk to. They don't have a very good history when it comes to Israel, you know, with the Holocaust. And, and, and some might say they don't have a very good history, period. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there are... Um, there are Catholics who are completely opposed to... Yeah, on an individual level, I assume that there are yeah, there are on, groups there are groups within level. Catholicism, but I, I'm I'm speaking of more you know at, right. at on uh, on as an organization across different uh, you yeah, know different and, geographies. Yeah, they are not in the forefront of criticizing of criticizing Israel. Um, there are too many Catholics in Congress who you know, um, but. Um, 
the, the, the big players in the religious community are, are first and foremost the Quakers, the Friends of the, friend, the American Friends Society, um, who have been banned from Israel. They can't, they won't allow them in. And then the United Church of Christ and um, the Presbyterians, the Methodists. So more and more, um, you know, in Burlington a couple of years ago, we had a we had a beautiful uh, get together and a protest right at the Congregational Church. In the meantime, they and I went to the Catholic Church in Burlington, and I told them that we we were going to have a, uh, a discussion, a speaker at the Congregational Church and. They didn't. They closed the door on me. They didn't want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, getting some attention. If if the if the resolution on the Christian Zionism is passed, maybe having some national attention in the press. The local resolution here in Vermont for apartheid. Um, have you? Has it received much press? You know, I haven't seen anything about it personally, but. Uh, no. My my attention span to local media um, has right. ebbs and flows. Well, the um, the way that we that, that personally, I, I mean, it's only myself and a few other people in the Episcopal Church who follow these resolutions after they're passed, <clears throat> and we discussed it. And I think this um, is part of the way to get that information out is through the letter that we're working on through BTJP and maybe with the Jewish Voice for Peace to the mayor of Burlington and the city council and those resolutions. And we're gonna go back and give it another try. And in that resolution, um, all of the three uh, resolutions that are passed by the Episcopal Church are, are, are and that, that will be sent to the mayor, as well as Burlington Free Press, uh, Vermont Digger, um, seven days. So the local press will get copies of that of that letter with right. the information about the Episcopal Church. Right. But no one's picked it up and come out and said, hey. No, no. Nobody has. <laughs> I, I was thinking about going down to the office of seven days and and trying to, and I might still do that. We'll see. But we also had the Washington Post and New York Times uh, in there, and they might pick it up. Right. Yeah. Well, here's hoping that someone that someone picks it up. Um, is is the resolution at the national level? Is it going to be the one you wrote for for the one locally, or will it be revisited and reworked for for national audience? Yeah, no, they have, um, after um, the, we passed ours in Vermont, another similar resolution, um, almost the same thing was passed in Chicago. And Chicago was a bigger surprise than Vermont because they had shot down this resolution like 90% to 10% a couple of years ago. And it turned right around this year in Chicago, which is a big diocese, they passed the resolution. And now uh, Steve France in Washington has in January, um, they have their convention at the uh, Washington Diocese. And there you have a very powerful uh, pro-Zionist bishop. <laughs> so that's going to be hard to pass. So they'll take these three le- resolutions um, from the diocese. And there's another one in California, I believe, coming up. And they will put them together into one resolution at the national convention. 
in Baltimore. All right. So it'll be a joint effort there. A joint effort. They will take, they have some excellent writers and a good leader. So the two other uh, the two other resolutions that uh, you had mentioned, I, you said that were both passed in 2018. Um, I did see links to them from the 2021 convention as well. But I was wondering if you could give a quick overview of them. One is the supporting freedom of speech and the right to boycott, which I think is the one you're, you're referring to as the BDS one. Right. And then there's the application of the Leahy laws to Israel. Right. <laughs> so... Yeah, let's take them one at a time um, for the for the right to boycott. Yeah, the right to boycott. Um, we renamed it because when you talked about boycott um, in any church, it was hard to. I mean, there are a lot of people against any kind of boycott of Israel, so we call it right to boycott freedom of speech, just the right to boycott, and without naming. Um, what actions to take in terms of boycott, boycott what? Right. And, and now we're into, um, I think, the uh, in the last national convention of the Episcopal Church, they passed, that, that one that was passed in Vermont actually was based upon a similar resolution that was passed in the last national convention. Um, now we're talking about divestment. They're talking about divestment of the holdings of the, uh, this year we're going into the divestment part of that, the BDS uh, with naming companies. And there is a committee looking at um, actually uh, divesting. Sanctions, <laughs> sanctions are, are <laughs> that's not gonna happen as long as Biden's president. So we don't even go there, but we mention it. Right. Is this a response to, I guess I'm reading it, but it's probably increased by now. So I assume this is a direct response to the legislation being passed across the country and in different states that is basically trying to curtail or outlaw um, BDS. Is there yeah, I mean, I mean, it's more than that. It's if, if you have... And it's being challenged by the ACLU. I think there's 21 states or more than that. I think it's up to 30 now, or at least have introduced it, if not passed. But yeah, it's a- yeah. But basically, if you have um, people have lost their jobs because they wouldn't sign uh, a document saying that uh, they wouldn't criticize, just criticize Israel. Mm-hmm. So criticizing Israel is a crime in these states. And um, they lost their jobs or government contracts. And these these, these laws are being challenged. Um, and I think uh, the, the success rate, I think there's a good chance that they will be shut down. But the fact that they, they I think Massachusetts was one of the first ones to pass it. So... Um, we met with uh, T.J. Donovan in Vermont a couple of, uh, when these start, started coming out. The Attorney General of Vermont. The Attorney General of Vermont and at Wafik and Sandy Barrett and myself and a few others. We met with them and start, as soon as they started passing them in other states, um, started um, raising our concerns about 
Vermont. And this was uh, at the same time. What was his response? His response was very uh, calculated and um, political. Wow, that well, that's, he, that's not surprising. Yeah, not surprising. I mean, the meeting wasn't, the meeting was more about deadly exchange, it was about this program right. of training police officers with these incredibly brutal tactics of crowd control and everything in Israel. And um, he had a few people going over there and, and um, he assured us now that this isn't going to happen. And in the meantime, I've heard that he's, he is going to Israel. So uh, I don't know where we are with that. Well, maybe, maybe he'll see what's really going on over there and have a change of heart. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the second thing here is uh, the application of Leahy laws to Israel. Can you give us a quick explanation? We're in Vermont. What are the Leahy laws? And does Leahy apply the Leahy laws to Israel? Yeah. So Leahy laws are laws that Patrick Leahy um, put into place. I can't remember what year it was now, but um, basically saying that the United States... Um, could not give military aid to any uh, branch of a government that was committing uh, human rights abuses. They call it gross violation of human rights, which includes assassinations, um, indiscriminate bombing, um, torture, torture, torture of children, torture of, of the, putting imprisonment, false imprisonment. So there is a whole list of it. And we have been uh, with his office on two or three occasions trying to, but it's run by the, and they, he, they, they say, no, we still believe in these laws, but we are held back. We, our arms are tied by the State Department. It's the State Department that has to implement these laws and they are not doing it. So that means a law with, with no teeth, um, and Leahy's going to retire this year, and let's see what let's see who replaces him. But there's a guy in his office, name is Tim Geither, who's 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 a very intelligent guy, and 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 uh, knows people in Vermont here. Um, so, but every time we meet with them, it's the same. So we stop meeting with them. Right. So he's not interested in applying the Leahy laws to to Israel, but. Oh, the, Epi the Episcopal he, Church is. He, he, he's interested in spirit, but when it comes to actually saying, look, these Leahy laws, they are, I mean, he could stand up and say, look, the Leahy laws, and the last time, I mean, he finally stopped responding to my emails with uh, Israel has the right to defend itself. And, um, he stopped That's where he is on Israel, just like uh, so many other people, right. so many other people in Congress. So this is, um, it's 2021. The situation in, in Palestine has been degrading over the last few decades. I, I guess my question to you as a, um, as an, uh, a Christian Episcopal, why it seems a little late to the game for the i mean it's a, on the one hand i applaud the church 
for this move. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, we talked about, oh, the 2018 and how much the needle has moved since 2018. You know, what about the rest of the 70 years? Why, why mm. do you think it took so long? Just, you know, th- maybe this is too much church history for, for a short answer on a podcast. Right. <laughs> but, you know, like what, just kind of going back in your experience, like how, how has it been historically treated? You know, just for your experience, you don't have to answer for the whole um, Episcopal movement here, but why the why why it's it's picking up momentum at this point why it's picking up momentum but why it why a church so you you quote in your in your resolution let me just pull it up so i don't um hmm. i can ask the question more specifically as a somewhat former kind of agnostic not sure what's going on person uh the enjoinder in the Hebrew scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, um, is repeated by Jesus and reinforced in the epistles. As Christians mindful of our Judaic heritage, we must be guided by this commandment as we confront systemic discrimination against any group of people. So yeah, I guess my question is, to me, looking back through through history, and you know, this has been obvious for, for decades, if not you know, if not longer. Why, why, why would it take a Christian organization so long to just see this simple truth? No, actually, they they had um, they have many resolutions were passed um, years ago um, regarding this. Just basically with kind of um, weak language, but condemning the uh, discrimination of Palestinians and the human rights abuses of Israel. And this goes back maybe 30 years ago. So this is, these aren't the first time these resolutions, but, but each year, each time, we, they would never have mentioned BDS or apartheid in the past. I think the bombing of Gaza has done a lot um, to awaken people when you see when you actually understand what's happening there, that these big bombs, and we're paying for this, um, United States citizens are paying. That message finally is coming through to a lot of, not only older people, the, the your generation and, and, and younger people, what is going on here? And now the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement also is joining with uh, the Palestinian movement and, so it's, it's things are changing. I, ha, I I have hope on this that it can't go on. Just like South Africa, you know. And I was in Africa during that whole apartheid thing, and that's all I heard about. And everybody said, "No, it'll never change." You know, the 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 Boers are in power; they're going to stay in power. And then all of a sudden, it changed. And uh, this can't go on like this. You could, the world is not going to accept this type of 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 apartheid. These people have a pla- have to go someplace. The, the Palestinians in the West Bank and in Gaza, they can't. They, there has to be a solution to this problem. They can't just kick it down the road any longer. Mm-hmm. And the only solution, personally, I, 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 the the two state solution and the peace process have always been used by Israel and the United States government to continue the status quo and allow Israel to gobble up more land. So. That's that's come to bear, and, and 
Firstly, I think the, the, what's going to happen, because they talk, they continue to talk about democracy, the biggest democracy, it was never a democracy from the beginning. And the United States government calls it the, the, our stable democracy in the middle. People are realizing, how can it be a democracy if Jews have certain rights and the Palestinians don't have the same rights? That's not democracy. So all of these things together are coming to bear. And I think eventually... The only solution is is the one state solution where everybody has the same rights and they try to live together. Well, and that's I think more and more people, Wafik included, and Palestinians have realized that for a long time. Well, it's looking more and more like the only possible way out. I'll get on that on that one. All the other doors are closing. I just. It seems to yeah, me. Yeah, the two-state solution, the way they've divided it up with these block points and the walls and the tunnels, and there, there's no way that the two-state solution, under the present boundary situation, that they've systematically divided it up to make sure the two-state solution would never work. Right. They were, they were never in favor of the two-state solution, but for, they told the world that they were. For anyone listening, they continue to tell the world. For anyone listening, the borders look like Swiss cheese, not straight lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's two state solution. When you go back to members of Congress, they still talk to even Peter Welsh last year um, was in this two state solution mode. I'm not sure where he is now, but we came down hard on it and said, look, show me how a two state solution can work. It can't. It's dead. Okay, last question for you here. You mentioned because um, I'm actually pretty interested in this national um, convention that that's that's going on um, in July. So hopefully, I, I'll keep that on my radar, and we can um, touch base again closer to when it happens. It's in <laughs> it's in Baltimore. In Baltimore, you will you will down. you will you be there? I plan on uh, I'm planning on going. Yeah. So the last, so the last question is just around the the resolution on anti-Semitism. I think you mentioned is that is that one you mentioned, or is that I'm ima- imagining it, or you say possibly one on on anti-Semitism? Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, Has have there been have there been resolutions in more local chapters? Sorry, I die. <laughs> about anti-Semitism. Di- di- yeah, yeah, exactly. I call them chapters. I you call them. Yeah. Diocese. Diocese. Yeah, you go right. There's a nice Episcopal church right there in Virgins. Yeah, I was just looking at their website. Yeah, right. Um, not not to my knowledge, but during the, um, I think in the apartheid resolution, we we said several times that the um, criticism of Israel. In fact, I think there is a a resolution um, in the Episcopal, in the history of the Episcopal Church, that the criticism of Israel is not anti-Semitism. Right. I have to check with Steve France. Steve France knows that stuff. But I think there is a resolution that says that criticism of Israel is not anti-Semitism. John Hermans, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I learned a lot. All right. Thank you, Anthony. All right.